Roger. Roger. Oh.
has incredible faith. Every single one of you. And I'm going to, going to get a little bit interactive now. We've done Jesus love. We're going to have a little bit more, a bit more interactive. So I want to show of hands. So as I'm going to ask you a few questions, I'll join you. I'll do my bit. Has anyone travelled on public transport this year? There you go. Has anyone eaten in a restaurant or a cafe or a pub? Or there you go. Come on. Anyone gone food shopping? Made a cup of tea or coffee? Yes. Have I missed it? Has anyone not put their hand up yet? Oh, okay. That's good. Um, has anyone, you know, driven on the roads, gone through traffic lights? Anyone seen a doctor or be in a hospital? Yeah, dentist, things like that. Okay. So you've come into contact with a wide number of people, taxi drivers, doctors, bus drivers, chefs, car mechanics, people who assemble electrical goods, maybe pilots, air traffic controllers, the person with the car next to you. The taxi driver, when he jumps in the taxi, does he take drugs? Do you know? No, you don't know if he takes drugs. But you have absolute faith that he's going to get you to your destination. The doctor, do you know how much sleep the surgeon had this week before he decided to take your repentance out or put the wrong leg off? The bus driver, did he have a fight with his wife last night? He's thinking about that rather than getting the bus to the next bus stop. The chef who prepared your meal at the restaurant, did he wash his hands? Those who I'm talking about, anyone who's going to the restaurant, talk to Jeff Benbow, he did a bit of portrait, he'll tell you what goes on in restaurants. I knew a few chefs. The people who assembled your electrical goods, you know, those washing machine tumble dryers that catch fire, and when you plug that kettle in, you expect it to switch on. You don't expect a blue flash in your hair to fall out. <laughs> the air traffic controller. Was he thinking about his kid failing their exams this week, or were they thinking about, you know, the uh, 928 from Sydney landing on runway one? <laughs> we put our faith in all these people all the time. You put that much faith in these people, you put your life in their hands. That's how much faith you have. I told you, you've got incredible faith. Total strangers who you've never met, you know nothing about, and you go, here's my life, please take care of it. You would never do that if someone... But we do it all the time. All the time. Every day we put our faith in total strangers who we know nothing about. Can you imagine you go to the garage out and you have your tyres changed? And the owner of the garage says, oh yes, young Bill changed your tyres, he was 21 yesterday, went out with his friends, he had a great night last night, didn't roll up till 4.30 in the morning. You might just want to check those wheel nuts before you drive off. Make sure that they're all tight. No one knows how many times have I had my wheels taken off and on a car and tyres changed, this, that, the other. Believing that the mechanic has tightened the nuts up properly. Many times. That guy's in charge of my life. <laughs> that guy with the, that drill thing. And he's in charge of my life with that 
short period of time. How easily we put our faith in others. Do we have the same faith? Or a greater faith when it comes to Jesus? Because I've all, I, I think we all agree that we all have incredible faith. I think it's hard to get away from. It's who our faith is in. We'll get to the main passage now. Please turn to Luke 7. Luke 7, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus finished saying all these things in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. It was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at it. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel, than the men who had had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. That's a fantastic story. Jesus was amazed. In the Greek, the word used uh, for amazement, there are a number of words that are quite similar that are used in different contexts. One of them is, it kind of means to be beside yourself. The other one, which is a very similar word and often used, means to jump out of your skin. This man made Jesus jump out of his skin. That's some feat. The only other time that Jesus was amazed was for people's lack of faith. And that was in Mark 6, 6, when he was in Nazareth. And he was amazed at their lack of faith when he was talking about a prophet being without honour in his own hometown, amongst his own friends, family, relatives and elders. And it was their lack of faith that amazed him. But why was Jesus so amazed with this man? We'll take a look at this centurion. Well, he was a Roman, hated by the Jews, the Romans were. They were the occupiers. The Jews didn't want them there. They collected tax, taxes from them, sent them off to Rome. Thank you very much. Thank you for your hard-earned money. We all love paying taxes. It's different in this country. <laughs> Can you imagine these days they don't sit the tax collectors at a desk and you have to line up and give them your money. Can you imagine being in that queue? <coughs> there would be some choice language in that queue. We're much cleverer in this country. They take it before you get it. That's the way it is. <laughs> P-A-Y-E, what a wonderful invention. The man who thought of that one is probably in a gold coffin. P-A-Y-E. You earn a thousand pounds a week. 
Really? How come I've only got 400? <laughs> well, you need to pay your taxes, which we do. But he'd have been hated by the Jews. The Romans, they occupied the country. He was a pagan. He wasn't raised on stories of Noah and Abraham and David, Goliath. He was raised on stories about Zeus and Venus, pagan gods. You know, when all the gods are throwing dice and deciding what's going to happen to mankind, sat in the clouds. That was, they were his gods, completely different. He would have been despised by many of the Jews. But somewhere along the way in this man's life, he came to love the Jews. We don't know the ins and outs. He didn't just be the occupier and tolerate them as the occupied people. He loved them. He built a synagogue for them in Capernaum. Archaeologists have uncovered the synagogue that he built. It's on a hill overlooking the town. And it's apparently a beautiful basalt structure. It's, it wasn't cheap. He did a good job. Beautiful place. And he built this building for the Jews. A building he wasn't allowed to go in. He was a Gentile. He was a pagan. You weren't allowed to go in the synagogue. You had to be a Jew to go in the synagogue. You couldn't even go inside and go, wow, this is for you, I did all this for you. Only you could look it from the outside. And he also loved his serpent. He had compassion for him. You know, this man, he had a good heart. And he was humble. You know, to really care about his servants. I mean, servants for the Romans were as good as slaves in those days. But to be concerned about was a was a big thing. You know, servants like they were replaceable. He would have been relatively wealthy. But he was humble and somehow he knew about Jesus. He figured Jesus out somehow. Maybe he'd heard the stories about this miracle worker. You know, the man who went around who drew, drew vast crowds. You know, who, who worked miracles, who said such incredible you know, such incredible wisdom out of his mouth. You know, Jesus had all things under his command. The Bible tells us, you know, he, he, could, he could drive out demons, the, the wind and the waves obeyed him, cure diseases, could even overcome death. It's what Jesus could do. All things were obedient to Jesus. The only thing in the world that's not obedient to Jesus are us. Of all the things in the world, God's most treasured creation is the only thing that says, no thanks Jesus, I don't think I'll bother. All other things will be obedient to Jesus. We're so treasured as a creation, God gave us free will. Unlike the wind and the sea, we can say no. But he saw the authority that Jesus had. He saw someone in a position of power. Someone who had real power. There's a story in, uh, in the States, in the USA. It was uh, campaign time. 
One of the governors was out and about on the campaign trail, pressing the flesh, as they say, kissing the babies. He's not allowed to kiss my granddaughter because she's far too beautiful, but kiss other babies. But he was out there chasing boats. That's what he was doing. It's hard work. And he'd been travelling around though, from place to place to place. One of the final places he went to was a, was a church. A big gathering at the church, and they were like a church barbecue. And there was a queue and where they were serving chicken. And he got in the line with everyone else and how are you? I'm going to say, yeah, please vote for me. Yes, I'll bring taxis down. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll improve the roads. Yes, yes. Health care for everyone. He's doing, giving the, giving the business in the queue. Gets up to the lady, she's serving out the chicken, she gives him a piece of chicken. She always said, do you think I could have another piece of chicken? She said, no, it's uh, one piece per person, that's the rules. He said, you know, I've been on the campaign, I'm really, really tired. I've been on the campaign trail, I'm really tired, I- I'm starving. Couldn't I just have one more piece? She says, no, I'm sorry, it's uh, one piece per person. So I thought he'd kind of pull his weight a bit, he said, you do know that I'm the governor. She says, yeah, I know you're the governor. She says, you do know that I'm the woman that serves the chicken. <laughs> and you're getting one piece. <laughs> now move along. <laughs> you got to know where the power lies. <laughs> Computers think they're smart. When I unplug them... <laughs> overrated <laughs> but authority and power can you imagine being able to say go here do this do that and everyone responds without question parents who would like to have that kind of a hold on their children <laughs> this is an interactive day Kids might be watching, secretly videoing you. See what mum and dad are saying about it. Go tidy room. Take out the rubbish. Do your homework. Turn off the computer. Put away the PlayStation. Pick up those toys. Brush your teeth. Now that's power and authority. How many parents would love to have that all the time? I've raised six kids. I'm not perfect. I've had my battles. <laughs> I'm sure any parent out there knows Robert. It's amazing how early children learn to say no. Unbelievable. Like before they're 18 months. You're like, what? <laughs> what do you mean no? You know, you're this big. <laughs> you, say, you know, you say, come here. No. <laughs> what? You've got to do as Daddy says. No! <laughs> it would be fabulous to uh, really have that kind of, of authority. But on a, on a serious note, we're talking about the tragedy at Grenfell Tower. And I thought about that, you know, all of us saw the dreadful images of when that block of flats was on fire. You know, and the fire chiefs ordered their firefighters to go in 
and pull out as many people alive as they could get. Can you imagine walking into that place? I mean, whoever they are, they should have a medal just for going in. Whatever else they did. You know, anyone that is, anyone's ever done fire training, and some people have it as part of your work. There's a place over in West Brom, uh, over there, where they do the training. And they put you in the fireproof clothing, and they put the breathing apparatus on you, and they put the mask on. It weighs, it's ridiculous, it weighs about 30 kilos. You can't, you've got this mask on, you're trying to breathe, and then they lead you into a fire and smoke-filled room. You can't see your hand in front of your face. And the guy's leaving, he's leaving you because they won't let you go on your own. And there's a, there's a professional fireman who leads you in, or firewoman. And they're on the radio to you saying, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic. Believe me, your heart's pounding out of your chest. And this is a drill. This is a practice on a ground floor. I mean, these guys were going up 13, 14 floors and didn't even know which floor they were on. They were told, go and do it, and they went and did it. That's the kind of power Jesus had. Let's just, I hope just all of us as a church in the rooms, let's continue to keep those people in our prayers uh, from that terrible bit. I think one of the great things to come out of it was the response of the local people. You know, a lot of those, a lot of the people in, that, in, those, uh, in those flats are people who have had some bad press. I'm sorry, I'm not getting political, I just want to Talk about the human heart. You know, people who were immigrants, poor. Yet, after that tragedy, they had to turn food and clothes away because of the response. There are times when I'm so proud to be British. Yeah. You know, there are times when I can hang my head in shame. But when it comes to the common people, there are times I'm incredibly proud of the generosity that can be found in this country. Yeah. And we all should be. Yes. Um, Anyway, how am I going to make Jesus jump out of his skin this week? You know what? I think the response of those people to that tragedy would have made Jesus take notice. The fact that they had to say, please don't send any more clothes or any more food. We've got so much. We don't know what to do with it. We're going to distribute it to other needy people. I bet he was amazed. Will my faith this week amaze Jesus? Will I trust Jesus with my life this week the way I might trust a taxi driver or a bus driver or a doctor or a mechanic? As I said, you know, we trust strangers with our lives. People we know nothing about. But we know Jesus. We talk to him. He talks to us. We have a bond with Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. We know He loves us. We know He cares for us. He loves us so much. <coughs> he died on a cross for us. He guides our life so that we can spend forever with Him. Let's amaze Jesus this week. Let's make him jump out of the skin. If you're visiting today, trust Jesus. 
And he'll be amazed. But so will you. And as far as likes the same finishing, and the church said, Amen. Amen.